Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. This episode of iPad Pros is sponsored by Paperlake. Learn more at paperlake.com slash iPadPros. The actual brush creation happens on the iPad inside the brush studio in Procreate, but then there is elements to the brush that sometimes come from outside. So I, I take photos for different patterns or different, and that those are usually based on, on real life objects. So I paint actual watercolor on a, on a piece of paper and then I, I take a photo of that. And then I would use that as the base for one of my brushes. And so that it's, it's kind of a mixture. It's kind of, it starts sometimes in an analog space, painting with real watercolors or real brushes and then taking photos and then putting that into Procreate and then finalizing the brush inside Procreate. You actually create some interesting effects and then you can create like for example I've made a fountain pen brush and I, I've sort of used an irregular brush pressure pattern for that to sort of emulate more ink coming out of the fountain pen at random intervals for example. Welcome back to another episode of the iPad Pros. I hope everyone's enjoying the public beta of iOS 14, if you're so daring to install that. In this episode, I'm really excited to share an interview I did with Kara Newport over at iPadLettering.com. So something that I've been interested in since high school, really, has been calligraphy. I learned Spencerian handwriting script back then, and it's something that I am still interested in today. And in today's episode, we dive into calligraphy and so much more, all related to the Apple Pencil and doing all this on the iPad, doing calligraphy on the iPad, and Karen does so much with this. She creates custom Procreate brushes, custom fonts, and does these practice sheets that you can put in the Procreate to learn calligraphy and kind of fancy handwriting right there on the iPad. So lots to dive into here, uh, an episode that I just had a blast recording as I get to talk about two of my favorite things, the iPad and calligraphy. So I really do hope you enjoy this episode. As you heard at the top of this episode, this episode is sponsored by Paperlike. And if you want to support the podcast, please head over to paperlike.com slash iPad Pros to learn more about this incredible sponsor. And you'll hear a little bit later in this episode why I love the Paperlike so much. You can also support the podcast over at patreon.com slash iPad Pros, get some extra bonus content and episodes early. That's patreon.com slash iPad Pros. And if you haven't left a review over on Apple Podcast, every review is greatly appreciated. And with that, here's my interview with Karen. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Karen. Thank you so much for having me. Can you introduce yourself and kind of how you use the iPad? Yes. Um, so my name is Karen Newport. Uh, I've been in New Zealand for 20 years now almost. I'm originally from Switzerland, hence my accent. A lot of people ask about that. And I've been using iPads ever since Apple has released them. But I started iPad lettering just over four years ago at the end of 2015 when the first Apple Pencil was released. And I feel that's the best product Apple has actually ever made. The Apple Pencil has really changed my life. I started my iPad lettering journey then and it really all started with the availability of the Apple Pencil back in 2015. And have you always had this interest of calligraphy and lettering and fonts or is this new with the Apple Pencil an interest that's kind of spurred? 
word out of that? No, I, I always had an interest, even when I was at school. I, I loved calligraphy. I had fountain pens back in the day, and I, I practiced a lot with those and, and all sorts of pens. I've got a bit of an addiction for stationery, as you do. And so, um, yeah, I've, I've always liked painting and, and lettering and, and drawing and, and sort of being a little bit artistic, except I, I never thought I had a talent for it. So my grades in, in art classes were, were never any good. And, and so I almost felt a little bit discouraged. I almost felt like maybe I shouldn't be doing this because I'm not good at it. But then also I didn't practice that much because I actually moved quite a lot after I finished university. I, I think I moved eight times in 10 years or something. So I, I never wanted to collect too many things because then I had to move them. And, and yeah, so sort of didn't really pursue my, my hobby as much and until I got the iPad because at that stage, then I, you know, you have the pencil, you have the iPad, you don't need all the stationery and it's very easy to move around. So that's really when I started practicing and that's when I, I sort of took up that hobby again. And we kind of share that early stages in like high school of, having found pens and getting into calligraphy, it was for me an escape of, uh, we didn't, couldn't have technology, couldn't have computers in the classroom. So it was like something fun that you have a, uh, like a found pen and it was actually fun to write and just a joy to do the things you need to do in school with the, bit more of a fun tool than a, a ballpoint would provide. Yeah, exactly. And and then you could have all the different colors as well. I've always been fascinated with colors. And so I had the, every possible color of pen you could have and make my make my books look nice i've always yeah exactly i've always had that passion as well yeah and i was fortunate enough to have i lived in indiana at the time and there was a local ink maker private reserve ink was based out of zionsville and i was actually able to visit their kind of main store and try all the different i don't know 30 or four different variations of ink colors and I was kind of fascinated with just the color brown ink would not seem to be like a cool color. But for me, like that was a weird, interesting color as you like press down more on it and the shades change different colors with how much ink is actually on the sheet. It kind of it's it's a fun kind of rabbit hole to get down with calligraphy. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I would have probably lived in that shop back in the day right. <laughs> looking at all the colors and trying trying it all out. I can. Yeah, that would have been totally down my alley. So. The Apple Pencil came out in 2015, as you mentioned. Can you kind of share what's the experience like of Apple Pencil versus these more analog tools like fountain pens? I mean, obviously, you don't get ink on your fingers, but how else are they different? Yeah, yeah. So interestingly, I've, I've actually had different stylus pens for the iPad before I got the Apple Pencil. And, and this is kind of a, a funny story as well, how this came about, because I, I had this pen by... was. The company was called 53 back in the day. I think they got purchased by another company, and I'm not sure what it's called. But they had this stylus pen that kind of looked like a, you know, one of those carpenter pencils. So I had one of those, and, and it didn't work that well on the iPad. So when the when the iPad Pro and the Apple Pencil came out, I didn't actually buy it straight away. It was actually my husband, and I, I just didn't think the Apple Pencil was going to be any good. And I just assumed it would be the same as all the other stylus pens. It just looks a little fancier because Apple made it. But then, um, yeah, so my husband bought them and I, I was the one taking it out of the box and trying it out. And the first time I held the Apple Pencil and I tried it, I, I, I couldn't believe how good it was. 
and how much it actually emulated the feel you get from using a real pin. Back in the day, they, they, um, I was also using the Tombow brush pins because I really, I, I loved the look of brush littering. So I, I followed people on Instagram and I, I just admired their beautiful work with those brush pins. And then when I got the Apple Pencil, I figured out that I could emulate that same look. And I almost thought, just because it creates similar to the type brush strokes, I almost felt it, it was it felt the same as well. It was actually quite incredible. So I, I was I was blown away. I, was, I I just couldn't believe how good it was. And prior to the iPad, did you try Wacom or any of the styluses for traditional computers, or was the iPad your first experience? Yeah, no, no, I did have I did have a Wacom tablet as well, I, and I didn't enjoy using it that much because I had to connect it to my laptop, and so there was two separate devices, and then also you draw on the tablet, but you look on the laptop screen, and so there's a bit of a disconnect between your hand and what, your eyes, and so I I didn't enjoy that experience too much and also that one of the another reason why I didn't enjoy it so much was because I liked sitting on the couch drawing or or creating art but then I had to have the laptop and the tablet and that's just not that practical so I had to sit at my desk in in another room and and so that was probably the main reason why I didn't enjoy it that much but then with the iPad of course it's all one device and you can draw on it and you can see exactly what you're drawing so that definitely made a huge difference as well. And then they, I think they had these uh, Cintiq tablets where you could draw on the screen directly, but I've never tried one of those. They, they were just out of the price range for for what I was going to use it for. So I never had one of those. Right. So prior to iPad lettering, did you have a certain career path? And is iPad lettering your new full-time? No, no, this is actually my hobby. I'm a, I'm a software developer. You know, I'm a coder. coder. I call myself a coder by day and a literate by night. So I spend all my day being very analytical and logical thinking, writing code. And then um, the iPad lettering is really for relaxation at night. And, I, yeah. and also to be a bit more creative, I, f- I felt that as a as a software developer, I don't really, I mean, it's a creative sort of pursuit as well, but it's not 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 the same as creating art and, and doing lettering. So I feel that gives me the best of both worlds. And and I also don't have the pressure for creating anything beautiful. If I, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm doing this as a commission for someone, for example, this is just for myself. And then I, I share it on Instagram. And then if people like it, then it's good. And if they don't, then it doesn't matter too much. It's not like I have to live up to clients' expectations with the things that I create. Right. So with the day job, are you coding in Mac or is it Windows or what kind of languages do you work in? Ah, it's um, it's web applications that, that we create and it's all JavaScript. I'm a front-end developer. That means I'm using a framework called React, which is a way of creating front-end applications. And um, yeah, so that, that I've, I've been doing that for quite a while. I've, I've started 20 years ago when I, my first job after university, I actually went to work for Oracle. I, I learned about databases and then I, I became a Java developer. And, and now my passion is really front-end, making things look beautiful. So I feel there's a little bit of a connection with what I'm doing with iPad lettering, except um, I'm not doing any design. I'm, I'm only doing the coding. We've got a, a bunch of very, very talented designers that come up with the most beautiful user interfaces, and then I, I implement those. Okay. 
Very cool. And then what's your current setup? Do, do you have the current iPad Pros with the Face ID camera or what are you using? Oh, I have about five different iPads. I have uh, the, I've still got the iPad mini from way back when. I just keep that as a little um, testing device, really. Then I've got the 2018 sixth generation iPad and I've got the 2018 12.9 inch iPad Pro and also the 2020 iPad Pro 12.9 inch. And Interestingly, I, I I never thought I would be using all these iPads, but I actually use, especially the two big iPads, I use both of those, and then I use the little 2018 iPad as well. So what do you use the two big iPads for? They have different purposes, the 2020 and the 2018? So that my, my latest iPad, the 2020, I used that with the keyboard, with the Magic keyboard. I got that last month. And so one of the things, the problem with the keyboard is that it's, if I want to use it with the Apple Pencil, I have to, to take the iPad off the keyboard because otherwise it's a bit hard to use. You can sort right. of turn the, the iPad around so the keyboard sits at the top, but it doesn't work that well. So, And then I thought, well, I've still got the old iPad as well, the 2018. So I'm using the 2018 iPad for iPad lettering and then the 2020 iPad with the keyboard for responding to emails or Facebook or, or anything like that, doing my analytics reports and, you know, any anything like that. When I, if I want to sit on the couch and use the iPad for work, then, then I would use the one with the keyboard. And then if I do lettering, I, I'll use the older iPad. And interestingly, they're both the same. Like, I don't, I don't actually see a difference between the two iPads. They, I don't know. It's, it's been a bit strange getting a new iPad. And it's the same as the old one. Yeah, very minor update. Uh, so with the two iPads, do you have different apps on them and home screen setup to reflect kind of the different work you want to do on them? That's, that's a good question. And the answer is no, I don't. Because I restored my 2020 iPad from, from the backup. And the reason why I'm doing that is the app I'm using the most is Procreate for for my lettering and and my art. The only way to restore everything is to actually do an iTunes backup and then restore that to the iPad. And then that preserves all your canvases and brushes and all the settings. And that's why I've done that. So I, I actually got the exact same setup. And I'm actually quite particular about that as well. So I have to have all my icons in the same place the same wallpaper. I just... (laughs) (laughs) No, I get Um, it. Yeah. Yeah. So with the Apple Pencil, do you have any favorite accessories that kind of enhance it? I know some people use grips and I I have a pencil holder with a Belkin. Do you have any favorite accessories that you end up using? I got a nimble grip, which I actually like very much. But the problem is with the second generation Apple Pencil, you have to take the grip off in order to charge the pencil. So I'm not using it. I haven't put it on my first version Apple Pencil, but maybe I should. I actually like using that grip. I just haven't put it on because I'm I'm too lazy to, to put it on and take it off. And so I, I, I'm not using it, but I do like that grip. Other than that, I'm not using any accessories. I'm actually quite minimalistic when, when it comes to accessories. I'm using the standard um, cases for the iPad, just the Apple one, and then the keyboard, and that's it. That's not not nothing fancy. Okay. And do you use any kind of screen protectors to kind of enhance just the feel of? I know for me, glass is very slippery, and uh, I sometimes have issues with just how 
easy it moves around there's no resistance like you would with the fountain pen yes um i use a paper-like screen protector i feel like for journaling i i probably that that's probably the best use case for the screen protector i feel that's where it makes the most difference interestingly for procreate not so much but for I, i'm using an app called zinnia for my journals and i i absolutely love that app i it's almost my second favorite app now. And, and for that, I really feel the screen protector makes a big difference. Also, because with writing, the Zinnia app doesn't have streamline like Procreate does. So writing is a little bit harder to make nice letters. And so that's where the, the screen protector really makes a huge difference. So let's get into Procreate. What about Procreate speaks to you as a creator? I love the app so much because it's got a simple interface and then obviously the brush engine, like all the different brushes. I was fascinated when I first found the app by the fact that I could create my own brushes and I could make the Apple Pencil do anything I wanted to. That that really was what really drew me into the app. And we're going to dive a bit in more into brushes because you're actually able to create custom brushes, as you can see on your website, that you actually yeah. made some yourself. But before we get to that, what are some of your other favorite apps you like to use with the pencil? You mentioned a journaling app. Any others that you gravitate towards? Yeah, Zinnia. That's, I love it so much. And then I'm also using Affinity Designer. I actually like that app quite a lot as well. For any vector type illustrations, I'm not doing illustrations so much, but for example, what I like doing is making journaling templates. So, you know, weekly templates or or daily templates with, with little grids and things like that. And then I find using a vector program easier for that. So that's why I'm using uh, Affinity Designer. Let me see what else I have on the iPad. I'm just going to open up the screen and so have a little look. But those are the ones I probably use the most for for what I do. And then I also have Adobe Fresco. I've tried Fresco a little bit, and I feel it's it's still in its infancy. It hasn't sort of shown its full potential yet, so that's early days. And then I have Photoshop, which I'm actually not using that much. I've you know just tried it out. That's probably the apps I would I say. I, I, yeah, I'd say I, I use those the most. Okay. So getting back to calligraphy and you know writing. So I remember back in high school, I was learning Spencerian kind of penmanship script. And I remember buying this theory book and these practice books. It kind of felt like it was from the early 20th century. And uh, can you tell me about the role of practice sheets in learning a script and kind of like working on learning different ways of writing? When I first started lettering, I, I, I thought I just wanted to sort of get the thin upstrokes and the thick downstrokes right and sort of practicing those transitions. I, I found a set of practice sheets on the internet and I bought that and then I used those to trace the letters and really really get a feel and, and sort of get a feel for the, the thin strokes and the thick strokes where they need to be, but also train my muscle memory. So it's really about the, the repetition and the consistent repetition. And that's where the practice sheets come in because they have a, all the letters and you can trace them. And then you can practice as much as you like until you really got the the feel for it and, and the muscle memory. And it could take a little while. And I remember back in the day, I, I, I found these practice sheets and they said, if you practice this for every day for 40 days, you'll get really good. So I thought, all right, I'll, I'll do that. So I actually practiced every day for 40 days and it had step-by-step instructions how to do that. So I, I did that. 
And and so that's how I, I got better reasonably quickly. It's just by being consistent and practiced every day. And then when I um, started my Instagram account, uh, people asked me for practice sheets. I said, oh, we know you're going to make practice sheets for Procreate. And that's how I started making them. I actually didn't think my lettering was good enough to make practice sheets. I thought, oh, why are people asking you? I'm not that good. And But, you know, they insisted every day. They said, we're not going to make practice sheets. And so I thought, well, if people want practice sheets, I'm going to make practice sheets. And that's that's how it all started. So that's how I, I came up with them and then and then made them for Procreate specifically because the ones I've been using before, they were just a screenshot of a PDF document. But then that did give me the high resolution that I could have had. And so now with the Procreate specific practice sheets, they're all high resolution and they have different layers so people can turn different letters on and off if they have a problem with maybe one specific letter that they would like to practice a little bit more they can do that and and they can really customize how they want to practice on the ipad that's great so something that i remember just learning uh calligraphy learning some syrian back in the day was the theory book and how helpful it was just with some of the fundamentals about you should probably not just use your wrists to make these strokes but all the way up till your shoulder it's like a whole arm movement uh, where should people go to kind of learn the fundamentals so they don't reinforce bad habits of how they produce these strokes that they're, they're learning? Yeah, so that that's actually an interesting question because I'm not really into the theory like that because I, I'm i not sitting in an ideal position when I'm doing the, the calligraphy and the lettering. I'm sitting on the couch and so right. I just sit in a comfortable position, which which is probably not ideal when it comes to these things. So I, I always teach people to just be comfortable and not get a strain in their hand or in their neck or, or however they sit. So I feel that's the most important thing. And then just, just be in a comfortable position. And because on the iPad you can zoom in and out, I feel it's it's really about making it work for, for the individual person. And I, I don't actually use my whole arm when I lecture. I, I very much just use my hands so I, I'm probably not the best person to, to give advice on that. Okay. And the actual practice sheets you've created, uh, is it in a certain script or what kind of sheets have you created? So my, my style of lettering is not actually calligraphy in the traditional sense. So I don't want to sort of give people the impression that, that what I'm doing is calligraphy. That would be almost a, how do you say, I, I, yeah, <laughs> I feel it would be mislabeling it. It's really called um, modern, they call it modern calligraphy because it doesn't follow all the strict rules. So it's still about the thin upstrokes and the thick downstrokes, but it's more sort of a bit looser style. So it's it's very individual as well and doesn't follow all the, the same rules. So yeah, so we call it modern calligraphy or brush lettering, probably more than calligraphy. Okay. And how did you actually go about creating the practice sheets? Like does you created a procreate file and what was the process for actually doing that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I wrote every single letter myself and I, I actually spent a long time I want every letter to be as nice as possible. And they all, I also want them to be all consistent, that the look and the feel and the angle for every single letter needs to be the same. So I spend a lot of time just writing individual letters until I like them. 
and then I, I put them on a canvas, a Procreate canvas, and then it's got different layers. With that canvas, you can turn layers on and off, make them visible or not, and so it's got a layer that only has the grid, so that gives people a guide on where to write and just make sure that all the letters are straight, and then it's got a layer with the actual letter on it, so they can then um, turn that on and off if they want to just practice by themselves without having the guide. Yeah, it's got that, just all the letters from A to Z, uppercase, lowercase, and then also the numbers. Okay. And then besides the sheets, there's another thing you also create are these Procreate brushes. Yes. So where do the actual inspirations come from in these brushes? Are there physical analogs that you're trying to recreate or what? Do you, what's your inspiration for this? In the first instance, really, my inspiration was brush lettering. And there was people on on Instagram, and they would use actual paint brushes to letter with and using watercolor. So that's where my first sort of inspiration came from. And that's the, the look I was trying to emulate. But then as times went on, there, there were different scripts that I liked. And then usually what happens is I, I, I see something that's being created analog and then I'm trying to replicate that also maybe a little bit the feel of of a brush you know if you have a one of the tomboys for example or, or an actual paintbrush with watercolors or maybe even a pencil any type of pen I've tried to recreate that in digital format using procreate and the, and the custom brushes but then I also make brushes for painting for watercolor so it's really, yeah, inspiration it really comes from everywhere, but it's usually based on a real thing or a, an effect that I want to recreate. And then I'm just trying to to make the same thing using using Procreate for that. And to develop a brush, is that done on the iPad itself or is there some Mac app you need to tap into to create these or what's the process there? Yeah, the actual brush creation happens on the iPad inside the brush studio in Procreate. But then there is elements to the brush that sometimes come from outside. So I, I take photos for different patterns or different backgrounds, uh, and that those are usually based on, on real-life objects. So I paint actual watercolour on a, on a piece of paper, and then I, I take a photo of that, and then I would use that as the base for one of my brushes. And so that it's, it's kind of a mixture. It's kind of it starts sometimes in an analogue space, painting with real watercolours or real brushes and then taking photos and then putting that into Procreate and then finalizing the brush inside Procreate. So these photos, you're importing them into the brush studio, like it's able to incorporate certain aspects of that or how does that part work? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So if you had, say, a fountain pen you wanted to recreate inside Procreate, you'd like show it as its thickest, most expanded point and maybe do some samples where it's really thin and would it kind of figure out then between or yeah yeah so that the way it works is that it it works with the pressure of the apple pencil on the ipad in the brush studio there is different settings for for to decide how thick the stroke should get depending on how much pressure someone puts on the ipad and it's actually quite fine-grained the way it can be set up so you could say i want the brush to become double the size depending on how much pressure someone puts on or I only want the brush to become a little bit thicker maybe or you could also do the reverse you could say if I press harder I want the stroke to become thinner 
which seems counterintuitive, but yeah. you can actually create some interesting effects doing that. And then you can create, like, for example, I've made a fountain pen brush and I, I've sort of used an irregular brush pressure pattern for that to sort of emulate more ink coming out of the fountain pen at random intervals, for example. And so there, there's all sorts of interesting effects you can achieve with, with the Procreate Brush Studio by just playing around with different settings and, and sometimes also trying things out that might not seem logical, but it's, it's very interesting. This episode of iPad Pros is sponsored by Paperlike. In this quick break, I want to share why I love the Paperlike. In case you don't know about the Paperlike, the Paperlike is a screen protector that transforms that slippery glass screen into a surface that is much more tactile and enjoyable to use with the Apple Pencil. As you've been hearing in this episode, I have a deep love of fountain pens and calligraphy. The Apple Pencil really does nail that pressure sensitivity to give you that flexible nib experience that you'd have with a fountain pen, but digitally. But without a paper-like, I find this experience a frustrating one. The paper-like gives me that tactile feedback I need to be able to write beautiful calligraphy on the glass screen of the iPad. The naked glass screen of the iPad is just far too slippery to make the iPad and pencil a killer combo for calligraphy and so many other things. The Paperlike is the essential accessory for every Apple Pencil owner. Scribble is now here in the iPad OS 14 public beta, and I can't imagine trying to write legibly on my screen without the Paperlike. Installing the Paperlike was straightforward and easy. In the past with the iPods on their devices, I'd put screen protectors on and it'd take me multiple attempts to get it right. But with Paperlike, it was perfect the first time. And besides the better Apple Pencil input, I'm also loving that fingerprints don't really show up anymore. And now that summer is here, I am using the iPad in my backyard for the first time. I've been delighted with just how well the Paperlike helps make the iPad something you can actually use outside. This is something I would not have really tried in the past because it just didn't work. I'll have more to share in the coming weeks, but for me, this is an essential iPad accessory and will be even more so when Scribble launches for everyone this fall. My thanks to Paperlike for sponsoring this episode of iPad Pros. Learn more at paperlike.com slash iPadPros. That's paperlike.com slash iPadPros. Now, back to my interview with Karen. Do you have a favorite brush you've created? I found uh, the Gracie brush was one of the free brushes on your site. Just a ton yeah. of fun to use. It, kind of, it seems like some of the brushes just behave differently from the built-in brushes, and it's kind of fun to... To try them. Yeah, exactly. And, and that that's actually an interesting brush because that I didn't create that myself. That was actually my friend Grace. That's why it's called Gracie Brush. And that's a brush that she's been using for her calligraphy. She does a bit more traditional calligraphy, a bit different than me. So, but she's the one who, who created that brush. And, and so that we could share it. Um, she asked me to put on my website and, and that's how that came about. It's actually not the easiest brush to use, believe it or not. It's not my favorite, that one. It's, I find it a little bit hard. To, yeah, it always reacts a bit too fast. For me, the, the transition between the thick and the thin is not as nice as I I would like. My favorite brush is always the, the the last one that I've created. See, for lettering, I do like. There's a brush called Hazelnut Cream, and it's part of my dessert series. And the reason why I call the brush Hazelnut Cream is because I absolutely love eating Nutella. And I wasn't sure if I was allowed to call the brush Nutella because of the 
brand name or, you know, there might be right. copyright issues. You never know. So I called it hazelnut cream, and that's probably my favourite one at the moment for, for lettering. And then for painting, there is a watercolour brush called the Ultimate Watercolour Brush, and that's just been my favourite for painting watercolour-type illustrations and, and things like that. And I think people like that brush as well. Just recently have found it, and, and now everyone's using it, and it's it's a bit of a fan favourite right now, I think. So fonts are another thing you've been creating as well and that to me seems to be a big ordeal of making a font every single character having a small and a large one and what was that process like creating these different fonts and you know making it into a usable font that you can actually install on say an ipad i've just always had a passion for typography and i've it was one of my dreams really to make my own font one day and especially making a font that almost looks like my handwriting and i haven't actually succeeded yet so it yes and as you say it's it's a, actually a, a very long process so at the start I write every letter on my iPad and then I bring that into Illustrator and then I trace the strokes and then I improve them sometimes the tracing is not very accurate and then I'm using a software called Glyphs and that's where I put the font together that it, it's a super nice piece of software on the Mac. It's Mac only. That, that's what I'm using to put the font together to create all the combinations and the ligatures and, yeah, just, just sort of create the umlauts and the, all the accents for, for each different language as well. If I could, you know, that this would actually be something I wouldn't mind doing full-time. I love making fonts so much and the detail that's required and the attention, but it, I'm getting obsessed with it. I could really spend hours and hours finessing a font and I don't mind. I, I love doing it. It's something I would, if I had the time, it's something I, I would definitely do a lot more often. Yeah, and there is an iOS app that lets you make your own font, but it's probably not nearly as powerful as Glyphs. I've played around with it and installed a, a really terrible font that was just me writing all the letters. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it is, yeah. Uh, yeah, Illustrator and stuff, uh, getting more detailed and stuff, certainly something. And then also that the, the thing is you, you can, with Glyphs, you can write little Python programs to generate some of the features of a font for you automatically. And because I'm a coder, that sort of comes in quite handy. So I, I've done quite a few of those to generate certain components of the font. And then on the iPad, it's not possible to do that. So, for example, what I want to do is if I have, say, a lowercase s, and if it's if it's at the start of a word, I want it to look different than when it is in the middle of a word, for example. Yeah. And so these are types of these are the types of customizations you can make with glyphs. And then when the font gets rendered, it'll take all of those scripts into consideration when generating the font. So then you can create an open type font style. And then programs such as Photoshop or Illustrator, they know that it's got these features and then they'll put them in place automatically. That's really cool. So that that's why I, I like using the, the Glyphs app for that. And there's certain components of letters that are shared, like the beginning stroke of a P and R can often be the same. I'm not sure if yeah. it would take similar, you just do different components and it kind of puts them together. Yeah, exactly. You could do that. Usually when I do the font, I try and make it as individual as possible. So it doesn't look repetitive. So it kind of looks like it's actually handmade. But yeah, definitely. that's. The, I think that's how they create traditional fonts, you know, the, yeah. the 
sans serif or the serif fonts, they make these different components and then they reuse them to ensure the consistency. It'd be interesting if you could do a font where it can know it's opening a paragraph and the capital letter that open has more flourishes than if it was in the middle of a, a paragraph. I don't think you could get that granular, could you? I don't think so. I think you could say at the start of a word, I'm not sure about a paragraph. Right, because a font just it has capital and lowercase. Yeah. And then in the middle, yeah. Yeah, I think those ones you would you would actually add those manually. As like an alternative version of like A where you have the Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The whatever um accents on them, you could have a different kind of flourish version. Exactly. Yes. And then you can have the alternates and then you can swap those out. And if you use that software like Illustrator, it's got the glyphs panel. So you can have as many alt I'm not sure as many, but you can have many alternates for certain letters and then that you can swap those out. But you have to do that manually. It's not that it sort of knows. So with the Apple Pencil, do you have any specific tips for getting kind of great output out of the pencil, like working with different angles and, you know, dealing with pressure sensitivity and all of that? I always tell people to hold it so they feel comfortable and then just practice really and and, and try what works best. I've, I've actually noticed everyone's holding a, a pen or a pencil differently. I don't think it matters too much. I've, I've actually seen some people, they have the weirdest grips, but they can still produce really nice looking letters. So I really don't think it matters that much of how how people hold their pencils. As long as they don't get RSI or or getting strains in the hand, I, f- I feel it's, it's almost an individual preference. One of the things I feel is um, important is not to hold the pencil too far back. So I'll sort of hold it a bit further towards the front to make sure that the translation of the pressure from your hand to the iPad is a little bit easier. If you hold it too far back, it's actually a lot harder to put more pressure on the iPad. But that's probably the only thing that I feel, you know, makes a difference. Other than that, it's really a personal preference. Yeah, something I've noticed with the Apple Pencil 2 is it is shorter. And I do find myself starting towards the tip and it just kind of slips down and I need to read grip so I don't drop the pencil because it's like falling out of my hand. <laughs> it kind of slips down throughout my hand for whatever reason. Also, you have a very loose grip. That's good. See, I'm, I'm really gripping it super hard. There's, it's not it's not going to fall out of my hand. <laughs> I've, I've always, uh, even even at school, that's probably something my teachers would criticize. It's how, how sort of tight I grip my pens. Yeah. The Apple Pencil 2, is that, was that a big jump for you when you got your hands on that? Was that like, wow, this is so much better as far as the the matte finish and the charging? The only thing I like better about the second generation Apple Pencil is actually the charging. I prefer the first generation Apple Pencil from a feel and also the weight distribution. I found that a little bit nicer. It's ever so slightly heavier and it's got the weight sort of a little bit more in the back as well. Yeah. So I, I, I actually, so I've still got it and I'm still using it with the 2018 iPad. And I, I, you know, I still prefer it a little bit more <laughs> over the second generation. But obviously the charging on the iPad is a game changer. So I would not ever give that up. And, right. you know, it's, 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 it's a very, very slight difference. It's not like a huge, a huge thing. It's, it, I, I, I like the second generation Apple Pencil too. It's, it's just that if I had, if, you know, if I could choose, I would definitely prefer the first one 
but it's not a it's not a deal breaker or anything like that. Yeah, and the flat side certainly has a different feel to it having that there. Yeah, how do you hold it? That's actually a good question because I've I've tried different ways of holding it. I have my thumb on the flat side. Ah, interesting. See, I have my index finger on the flat side. I've been asking so many people, where do you have the flat side? And I. Uh, yeah, it's, it's different for everyone. Yeah, it just feels weird. I just tried it that other way. I just, yeah, that feels weird. So with iPadLettering.com, what aspects of your business there actually run from the iPad itself? Oh, that's a good question. It's actually not much, to be honest. If I have customer inquiries or things I need to change on the website or like sometimes people forget their orders or they I need to resend confirmation emails those types of things I can do from the iPad but pretty much everything else I actually do from the Mac just because I've got a bigger screen I really like having a big screen for you know working working with web applications and then drag and drop is easier on the Mac because I can have the windows overlaying each other and and I do yeah all the graphics I actually make them on the Mac as well using Photoshop for the thumbnails, for for the brush images, and or oh, actually, and I'm using Illustrator for that, and then I generate all the images. Yeah, so I, I don't use the iPad that much for my website. It's that's all pretty much. Yeah, the whole business is actually really pretty much on the Mac. How else are you using the iPad? Is it mainly kind of a leisure tool outside of you know when you're doing the thinking and all of that yeah i use it for watching youtube a lot i watch a lot of youtube it's terrible <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's probably what i use it for doing research i do use it for research quite a bit finding inspiration um, i'm creating mood boards on pinterest i use the ipad for that as well yeah anything so usually that I, I use the ipad when i sit on the couch and then i use the mac when i'm in the office so that's probably the the best way to describe it so i'm trying not to sit in front of the mac for too long you know usually sort of 10 hours a day and then the rest i would sit on the couch and the ipad there so you mentioned earlier that you'll on the couch do some inking is that just the ipad in your hand and you're holding it kind of horizontally or vertically i'm holding it horizontally interesting i never hold it vertically i've noticed some other people they have the ipad almost like a sort of a a sheet of paper yeah but i've always held it horizontally and i also think it's because sometimes on the couch i like holding it in my arm so it goes into my um armpit a little bit and then i can hold it like that but recently i've got a little it's like called an eye beanie it's like a little beanbag for the ipad and I actually like using that a lot so I can prop it up on the beanbag and then it, it can put it at any angle you want. And it's very comfortable because it's sort of, you know, you can sort of fold it or mold it any way you want. So I use that. And then if I use the keyboard, I don't use anything else because the keyboard is actually really nice. It just sits on my lap and then I can use that. And the the trackpad, it makes such a difference. That's why I probably like the keyboard the most is the trackpad. That really made a big difference to the way I used the iPad on on the couch. Yeah, it's just remarkable uh, that we didn't have a trackpad on the iPad just about a few months ago, and it it has really changed how I I use the iPad. When you're at a table using the iPad to do lettering, do you try to have it at any kind of angle, or is it completely flat? Or what's your setup there? No, it would be completely flat on the table. I, I do that when I film my videos. That's when I put the iPad just flat on the table. And then that's 
I find that quite comfortable. And then is there anything we haven't covered yet that you'd like to before we wrap it up? Oh, people should watch my YouTube channel. I've got a lot of tutorials there. So I'm doing monthly lettering challenges where I create practice sheets and then it's a, it's got a monthly theme. And then we're also doing that on Instagram so people can participate and write a word every day. That's how I started lettering. And I really thought that it would be nice to bring that back and sort of create that community feel again where we all write the same words together and then we can inspire each other and encourage each other. So that's been a lot of fun. I've started doing that a few weeks ago. And then, yeah, there's all sorts of tutorials there. Every week I'm making a new one and then people can watch and, and they can learn how to paint and letter. And anything that's, to do with creativity on the iPad, really. That's that's um, on my YouTube channel. Yeah, it's really impressive the just the amount of great content you have there. It's and it looks really polished. All the videos is that filmed with you know an iPhone mounted above behind your back, or how's that all? How's the production that work? Th- that's how I started. Yes, definitely. So, uh, but now I've got um, I've got some good cameras to do that shooting. 4K videos. It's quite important to me. I really want to shoot 4K and and really make them high resolution. And so I've got two different cameras, one that I can have filming front on and then one from the top. And you'll use Final Cut for the editing of all that with a multicam kind of ability there? I'm using Premiere Pro for that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, for the multicam. That's been actually a game changer. That's been really cool to use that. I've only discovered it this year. And I found Premiere Pro a little bit hard to learn when I first used it. And then I, but I, I forced myself to learn because you already I had the Adobe Creative. Exactly. So yep. <laughs> yes. I'm already paying for this, so I'm not going to pay for something else. So I'm, right. I'm teaching myself how to use this. And now I'm, I'm actually finding it really, really good because it's, it's very powerful. So I don't need anything else. I can do everything in, in Premiere. And then sometimes I've, I, I make little animations as well for, for the videos. That's actually been really good in Procreate because Procreate lets you create little animations. I make little overlays like titles or, you know, if, if I move from one section of a video into the next, and it's almost like a little chapter marker. For example, if I do best five tips about the keyboard or something like that, then I'll go, number five is this, and then I'll have a little overlay over the video, then I'll do five, four, three, two, one. You know, just a little personal touch. That's not just a static font. It's, It's a little bit animated and it wobbles a little bit just to make it a bit more fun. And to create those animations in Procreate, is there a special mode or are you just capturing your screen as you're doing it with your Apple Pencil? Ah, no, this is a special mode. That um, it's called Animation Assist. It's a it's a Procreate feature. So pretty much what it does is you write different or or you you draw different things on different layers. It animates all the layers and then you can tell it you know like a, a sum cinema sort of goes through all the different layers. And um, yeah, that's been that's been a lot of fun. That's that's a new feature with Procreate. Four and then in Procreate Five, they've added animation assist to make it even easier to create those types of animations. That's great, and uh, yeah, uh, definitely check out your videos. They are really just very informative and, and great, especially if you want to get into lettering and calligraphy. Yes, anything creative on the iPad. Yeah, and 
just search for iPad lettering or just go to iPadLettering.com and then your link to YouTube and Instagram there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then on, on YouTube is youtube.com slash iPad lettering, Instagram.com slash iPad lettering and Facebook as well. Great. Well, thank you so much, Karen, for your time today. It's been wonderful learning more about what you do. And this is definitely a fascination of mine, calligraphy and lettering. And it was great just chatting with you about it. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that was my interview with Karen Newport over at iPadLettering.com. Thanks again to Karen for her time. And thanks again to Paperlike for sponsoring this episode. Head over to Paperlike.com slash iPadPros to learn more. Thank you for your time and attention today. And I'll talk to everyone again real soon.